time to ham up. Oh, I gotta really try it hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Hey there, all you Yum Chunks and Yum Chunkers and Yum Chunkies. We're, we're back. We're back with a vengeance and... We're here coming back with a special gaming episode to discuss the much anticipated Final Fantasy VII remake. Keyword. Uh, I'm joined today in this discussion, this journey through Midgar, with uh, Sean. I'm. That's me. I'm remade in a new image. <laughs> And then a fellow gamer that always joins me in these discussions, Aaron. It's me, Aaron, and uh, I'm not remade in any images, unfortunately, but I am here. He's just old, blocky polygon Aaron. Yep, still got those big, beefy forearms. <laughs> you do all your squats. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're here to discuss Final Fantasy VII, but before we get into that, uh, we'll just do a quick... A quick kind of capture of some of the uh, the games we've played recently that we really enjoyed. Um, who want who wants to go first, uh, Aaron? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, my exciting news is I actually just got a Nintendo Switch. Um, despite them being sold out almost everywhere, I found a Switch Lite at Target, and I knew it was meant to be. So um, I got a Nintendo Switch, and then I picked up a few games with it. I got um, Link to the Past, or not Link to the Past, sorry, Link's Awakening. Um, Mario Odyssey and Octopath Traveler. Um, my wife's actually playing uh, Link's Awakening because she never beat it. Um, so I'm waiting on that one. But I've been playing Octopath Traveler and Mario Odyssey, um, which I like both a lot so far. Uh, Octopath Traveler got a little grindy, so I decided to take a little bit of a break. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's overall a cool game. Uh, but Odyssey's a nice break from that since it's so uh, just feels very open and, and platformy. It's and, like the exact opposite yes, it, game. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so... Did you ever beat Octopath Traveler, Chris? No. Oh. Did you? Yeah. No. It's, it's basically what Aaron yeah. said. Like, <laughs> the, the combat and battle actually was yeah. really fun, but just like, eventually, it's just like, wait, this, this story is not doing kind of what I was hoping it was going to do, and it just kind of got boring. It's also yeah. just kind of intimidating, right? Because, I mean, the, yeah. to to fully experience that game, you kind of have to play through eight, what, like eight different characters, yeah, right? Yeah, you have to so, play through all eight. Yeah. It, I'm not saying, like, it is actually, like, hard to do. I'm just saying it's at, at a face value, you play through one character, and you're just like, whew, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another character. I don't know about this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the wall I started hitting, and that's why I chose to Mario. Um, other than that, uh, I still play Final Fantasy XIV pretty regularly. Um, just doing all the in-game content now on that, waiting for a new patch. Um, that's pretty much all I've been playing lately, actually. Uh, but yeah, it's all good stuff. How nice. Well, what about you, Sean? What are you What have you been playing? Between well, death work, death march at work. <laughs> uh, I find joy in all the little things. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, not much since I beat uh, remake. Uh, I didn't. 
I had to kind of take a break from playing through because of work and stuff. And so I finally was able to finish it not too long ago. Um, and I haven't really got into much since then. But I was and am starting to be, get, back, get back into Persona 5, which I had already talked about, which is great. And then I played a couple little small games um, on Steam. What was that game called? App. Uh, Ooh, Umami. Umami. It wasn't that. I don't know. Ryan gave gave us some games. Oh, and I've been playing golf with friends during quarantine with fellow fellow yum chunkies um but uh other than that not much really uh hopefully i'll be able to the next couple weeks finish persona and have a handful of others you know in the queue so. it's cute that you think you'll be persona in a couple <laughs> weeks all right chris what about you chris uh so yeah i've i mean beyond remake i've Spent a lot of time in Final Fantasy fourteen, trying to make my way through that. Having a blast still, but it's, as intended, a beefy thing because it's an MMO, an mm-hmm. MMO that's been going on for years. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I Since the last time we did a gaming edition, I played and beat Control, which I highly recommend. Very unique game, uh, considering what comes out more often than not but i really like that game very psychedelic fun little shooter mixed in with some action mm-hmm. beautiful images uh, just great game um i did try playing red dead redemption 2 i don't know if i'm ever going to get into that game the, I tried. I, mean, I, I tried playing I played it, it since and it came out. I was working my way through the tutorial, and I got a little ways past the tutorial. And triangle had like five different functions, and circle had like three more, and all this <laughs> other stuff. And I was just like, I can't keep this all straight in my own head. And so I got kind of burnt out on that pretty quick. Um, right. but yeah, I mean. That's really all I've been playing. All right. Yeah. (laughs) So with that being out of the way, we'll just hop right into our discussions. Like I said earlier, we are here to discuss the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Came out early April 2020. Um, Hopefully everybody was at home, so they had plenty of time to play it. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I had, uh, I had quite a good time with this remake, and I'm, I'm pretty jazzed for part two. Yeah, I mean, I, I generally uh, enjoyed the game a lot. Uh, the gameplay was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I had a few hangups about it, but it's mainly story play, or not story play, story based, and um, his business practices. I'm not sure exactly. I described that, but uh, other than that, I mean, you talk about like Square Enix's business practices. Yeah, I guess I would say that <laughs> <laughs> the way Square Enix is going about this, uh, I have a little bit of a hang up with that. But um, overall, like I said, I did really enjoy the game, and I do think it's very much worth playing if you're a fan of the original, um, for sure. I'm just curious what your hang up is. Are you just talking about the fact that it's broken up into parts? Yeah, it's a little bit. Uh, I think to a certain extent. Uh, this really, you know, it's probably because, you know, I fondly remember the original and 
I'm like, you know, this this doesn't feel like the whole game because I keep thinking about things I did in the original at later points in the game. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things I'm like, ah, like, why is it so broken up? Um, and I'm not completely against it, but it's one of those things that I wish we got the full game all right now. But I can, you know, I understand this is a massive undertaking and it's going to take years for them to get it all out. Um, but part of me, part of me is suspicious that it's a little bit of a cash grab. Maybe. What about you, Sean? How did you how did you feel? First impressions. Um, first impressions. Well, I'll just give you my full impressions. All impressions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was um overall very very happy with it. Way more ha- more way more satisfied and happy with it than I thought I'd be because I didn't want this and I didn't think I would want or didn't think i'd be sitting here happy that it's there that it that it exists um i kind of get what you're you're saying though to me it remind like at the end of it it reminded me or it had the same i had the same feeling as when i um walked out of watching um the fellowship of the ring for the first time i just like man no i it's not supposed to i i, I gotta go see the second one right now how yeah. could you i don't like i i don't want it to be over it's not supposed to be over i'm supposed to be able to keep watching like so that was kind of frustrating, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I knew that going in. Yeah. Obviously. Um, and then just generally, we'll get into more details, but I like just highlights are the battle system, the music, the characters, mm-hmm. and the story ideas. The high, the, <laughs> the, uh, negatives for me were pacing some few battle quirks and story execution in some parts. But otherwise, yeah, those are my my general thoughts, and I have a lot of thoughts too, just in terms of the idea and nature of um, remakes and stuff, mm-hmm. and how it kind of ties into all that. But should we spend the next hour talking about uh, remakes versus remasters? <laughs> well, I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I mean, I I think I agree yeah. with a lot of your your points, Sean, but let's let's dig into it so as is tradition we like to start with uh the the gameplay slash design of uh the game so we'll we'll enter there and we'll talk a little bit about let's just start with combat since i mean that's the the core of the game let's talk about combat uh how did i mean you were just talking about combat as a highlight sean what what was yeah i mean well, partially, I mean, we played the demo, so I kind of knew a little bit, obviously, an idea of what it was going to be like going in. Um, it, it's so weird because I'm, I'm like, on, on paper, this is a case where I think it shouldn't work. Like, if I, if you described this to me and I was reading about what it's going to be, I was I, like, ah, this does not look like it's going to be good at all. Like, it seems weird and a hybrid of these things that don't seem to mesh together, but but then you sit and play it and I don't know, it just somehow works. It just somehow is really fun. It combines to me, it combines so many different things. It's like kingdom hearts with final fantasy 13, 12, 15, seven, uh, as well as a handful of other things, but, and, and into this weird hybrid where it takes a while to understand the combat system, I will say. Um, but I think once you get it, it, it's like a really, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe brilliance too strong a word, but just like a a fun, if often inelegant, but just like fun, strategic, tactical, <laughs> awesome, com- like you know, uh, the, the, the exact kind of like um, 
uh, inheritor to what I would want a modern Final Fantasy to be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel I feel like it was uh, like a natural adaptation of like a modernized ATB battle system that was in the original mm-hmm. seven. It, it definitely if it to me, like you said, like at first it seems kind of silly and stupid, right? You're playing through, you're just mashing attack, just kind of hacking away at things. But as you as you develop through the game, you you learn exactly what the designers wanted you to learn and you learn how to balance yeah. that with the ATB gauge and your limit gauge and your magic and everything. And by the time you get to the end of the game, I felt like I had a complete understanding of the system and I was able to utilize it in a way that made the game feel right. It made it feel fluid, made it feel and it never felt stagnant to me. I mean, some things felt repetitive yeah. sometimes, but overall I feel like it was, it was just, it, it felt really good. Uh, just learning it. And then when you go through, I mean, this is beside the point, but when you go through on hard mode with the full understanding, you you learn even more somehow about the system, and it's crazy. Yeah, I actually want to piggyback yeah. a little bit off of that, Chris, because, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think one of the best things about the game, actually, is the way it teaches you combat throughout. And as you face different enemies, uh, you kind of have to come up with a little bit of different strategies from time to time, because you're realizing, you know, some enemies, are it's easier to do... You know, like when you're facing mobs, yeah, you can just smash your attack button and kill everything around you and really don't have to think about it too much, especially in normal. But when you're facing bosses and stuff like that, the that's when I think it really shines, this combat system. Um, I think in hard, it shines a lot more because of that reason, because you really have to be paying attention and working with it, using your blocks, using your dodges appropriately, filling up that ATB cage, using material that helps you fill it faster. Those kind of things, I think, were were just really well crafted and really well put together. And like Sean said, it feels like this almost hodgepodge of all these great combat systems um, in a good way uh, that Square Enix has given us over the years. And they've like kind of taken the best parts of them and like put it together and said, here you guys go, enjoy. And I did. <laughs> it was really cool. It was a really neat uh, combat experience. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what Sean was saying, you were saying with the, the hodgepodge, I mean, uh, the key, the the biggest part of the combat, they actually took from 13, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, <laughs> considering of how panned that game was in general, but the stagger system, yeah. and to me, the mm-hmm. stagger system, it, it felt great, I, it felt like I earned my victories, it made me learn, like you said, right, you understand the specific enemy weaknesses, especially in hard mode that really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I thought, I don't know why they thought to go with a uh, 13's battle system, but I, it, I'm definitely glad they did. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, the one, um, oh, go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, just that one element of the 13 battle system, the stagger mm-hmm. thing. Um, because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare, I wouldn't say like, if I were to tell someone what battle system it resembled most, I wouldn't say 13. Mm-hmm. Though, that, like I said, it, it takes elements of 13, but I wouldn't say it resembles 13 the most. Honestly, it's hard to even describe which one I would say it Kingdom, resembles Kingdom the Hearts. most. Yeah, I think Kingdom Hearts. I, I guess, but but not really. Like it look, I would say it looks like Kingdom Hearts, but I feel it plays way different. Kingdom Hearts is an action, mm. like yeah. just button masher. This is not an action game. And I think that's what I mean when I was saying that, like, you know, once you kind of figure that out, it kind of clicks into place. But if you, but 
But if you go into this thinking this is an action game, like a platinum game or something, like that's not what this is. There are elements of that that I think actually it benefits from, but but that you know you're not going to be able to avoid all your all the attacks. You're not going to be able to dodge and stuff mm-hmm. like right there. It's it's like it's just like oh when 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 an enemy doesn't attack and your party takes damage. If you are disappointed, I think you're thinking about it wrong. Because, like, think of all Final Fantasy turn-based games. Your party always – you can't avoid damage, yeah. right? When a when a boss does an area of attack spell or attacks everyone, you just take damage. The, 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 the tactics and strategy isn't avoiding the damage. It's what do you do knowing that this damage is coming? How do I adapt? That it's more like that in this game, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you can avoid some damage, but you can't avoid all of it. It's more about figuring out how to adapt when when you do have to take damage, or you know this attack is coming. Okay, I know this guy is going to get just completely ganked. How do I? How do I make sure that I don't die? Or how do I? You know what I mean? Like, and to me, that's why it resembles like a lot of the classic turn-based mm-hmm. um, Final Fantasies in an odd, in an odd way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. Uh... One thing, uh, kind of two things about what you were talking about. Uh, the first thing, one thing I, I think a lot of people wish it had kind of taken from was uh, Final Fantasy twelve and that Gambit system. Because like yeah. you said, you know, your, your team's going to be kind of standing around, they'll take damage. But I still kind of wish I could make them not just stand around and I didn't have to completely control yeah. them actively yeah. all the time, right? It would have been nice for there to be somewhat of a gambit system like in 12 where I could set them up to heal a specific time yeah. or uh, attack with specials when they're available, right? And burn their ATB without me having to tell them to. So I actually have a I, – I was thinking a lot about that because it, it, I agree or at least I agreed past tense. <laughs> okay. Now I actually am thinking – the more I think about it, I'm, I'm, I think it's – a an intentional interesting decision because it forces you to have to control all your party members mm-hmm. just like in a turn-based pharmacy seven you have to put in the commands of every one of your, every single one of your characters but you know what it actually reminds me of in a weird way more than anything is classic um western style rpgs like boulder's gate or never winter nights or dragon age or icewind dale because there is no, there's very limited AI in those games. That game was constantly pausing, knowing, assigning specific actions around the battlefield, having to t- manually move them around the battlefield. That is exactly what you're doing in this game. You're pausing the game all the time to input a command for a specific character or control a specific character to move here and input a command reactively, you know, dynamically reacting to everything on the battlefield. And when I was thinking about it like that, I was like, oh, this is... This reminds me so much of like Boulder's Gate in that same fun, like, okay, real time dynamic, got to react, got to figure it out. There's not AI that's really going to figure this all out for me. I have to take control of every single one of the characters. And I act like, I thought that was awesome. I thought it was a cool idea. If there was the gambits, I think it eliminates that entire aspect. Yeah. I, I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was the dodge roll. Like you, like you commented, this isn't a platinum game, right? Platinum games like pure yeah. action. Mm-hmm. You get so used to dodging things, the timing, the invi- uh, invincibility frames, and all that other stuff that allow you to avoid getting hit. But like the game, and I'm not saying the game tells you that you should be doing that. As a matter of fact, I think the game at the beginning lays out that blocking is probably the preferred method, yeah. and and I think it tries to lean you into that. 
But, I mean, during my first playthrough, I just kept trying to dodge roll. I kept trying to dodge roll, and no matter what, I would just keep getting hit. And it actually was it was kind of frustrating uh, at first. Yeah, I mean, I, I fell into the same trap, too. Like, I, I immediately thought, okay, great. You know, it's going to be like all these other games where I can just keep dodging. And, you know, I, I read the thing about blocking. And I'm like, well, what do I want to block? I could take some damage. But if I dodge, maybe I won't take damage. But it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. It's better to block and actually use your counter to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> instead of uh, just trying to dodge or anything like that. So yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. And that counter mechanic was actually a really cool um, and helpful tool, especially in the later parts of the game when things started getting a little bit more challenging, mm-hmm. um, and especially in hard mode. It's actually using your blocking appropriately and countering when um, big attacks come in and stuff like that. Uh, I remember I ended up punishing Rufus pretty bad because I pretty much just countered the entire fight, and I think he only hit me a couple times <laughs> for big damage. Yeah, I, I I did like all of the characters' kind of like alt abilities, and they all had like different purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Tifa's was yeah. really good at increasing stagger. Um, oh yeah, I think Barrett's was really good at kind of interrupting attacks, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Aerith's is. I mean, when you can land it and the enemy sits still long enough, like if you can get the enemy to uh, not stagger. What was the stun called? It was uh, pressure. What? Pressure. right? Yeah, pressured. If you can land it and make them pressured with Mm -hmm. that, then that was just like super beefy. Eris little charge attack. The judgment ray or whatever. That one? No, not the mm-hmm. judgment ray. Oh. But when you would just charge our basic attack, and oh, then it would, the tempest. It would create that little crystal that would hit the enemy oh, like the, three more times um, afterwards temp- or whatever. Tempest. Yeah, te- yeah tempest. tempest. Yeah. Yeah, that was tempest. that was That's actually really powerful. Yeah, I agree. Um, I did. I I like that they all had like different feels to them all together. And like you said, cloud yeah. cloud's punisher mode was really all about just like countering. Mm. Right. It's you, you get in that mode because you can't move really fast in that mode. You just kind of hope someone hits you and then you just start wailing away yeah um i really i really liked how different the characters felt the play as yeah yeah definitely and and also just the the amount of customization um with each character like not aside from the materia which obviously provided a ton of that but just like the ways you could customize each weapon so you know generally they kind of fit a little bit of archetypes but you could really kind of change it up a lot so that you know um cloud could be doing your magic if you want or whatever barrett i actually had as my main healer for most of the time (laughs) me too Um, yeah (laughs) i did too (laughs) and like and 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 they all played unique but but not so set in stone that, you know, it dictated exactly how you had to play them. There was still a lot of um, flexibility there. Mm. And, I, and I really like that. Yeah, I think when I was looking online, like a lot of people were building like Tifa as their bruiser. But I really just had yeah. her like maxed out on speed and I had Cloud be the bruiser. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's kind of what I, I, I think I put. It took me a I feel like Tifa was the hardest for me to master and kind of figure out. But once I got her, she was maybe one of the funnest to play because she was so fast and I always cast haste on her. Mm-hmm. She just always had ATB. So I would, it would just be like super fun to just constantly combo her special abilities and, and, and everyone's special abilities. I like too just the amount of variety there. Yeah. Like it felt like I had so many options, like nothing really did the exact same thing. And there was, Oh, like, okay, this, I want to use this move here because of this specific reason. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, by the time I got done with building my characters in my hard playthrough, like Tifa, Tifa, I didn't have really any magic on her other than haste. And she was just, I mean, she played, Tifa does the way I built her play basically as an action game. She's just all about like yeah. increasing stagger really fast, the stagger mm-hmm. meter, and it's I I have her set up to increase her ATB gauge super fast, which in turn burning the ATB increases her limit break because I gave her like that that transcendence piece or whatever, and so she's just mm-hmm. all about building things up really fast. So she was very actiony, whereas Cloud was definitely I built him to be more strategic in a sense and. I would use him a little bit more strategically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I would just sit back with Barrett and unload. shoot at things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unload. And, uh, actually, for whatever reason, Barrett's like, uh, it was my favorite one was Barrett was the Big Bertha. And it had that. Oh, yeah. uh, Same. Uh, what was it? Uh, his like fury attack. The maximum overdrive. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. But it was just so satisfying to just unload on something with that. And just half the time you'd get him to stagger, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, yeah. But it was just, I don't know, something about playing Barrett and like using uh, maximum load drive or whatever. Yeah, it was like really satisfying to me. And plus his... I'm going to say it right now. He's OP. He was OP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I, I feel like I didn't end up using him a lot for damage. Like I used him... I don't know. It is. It's interesting. Because I didn't use him to do like a lot of damage or anything huh. like that, but he did feel really strong. But you know, know, you know the the reason I say he's OP is one because he's a distance attacker. So I mean, mm-hmm. instantly he's usually in the back. So if you swap to him in the middle of a melee fight, you're just like pinging the enemy back and forth between people, mm-hmm. yeah, um, which gives you a little bit more breathing room. But the real reason I say he's OP is because all of the segments of the game where they try to overload you with enemies, like they would. There were a couple of bosses that would just spawn enemies right with them, like minor enemies and everything. Mm-hmm. He is just so great at crowd control. He would just wipe out fields of enemies with that maximum overdrive, mainly. Yeah. And it would just be like, okay, sweet. Now I can just focus on the boss again. And it would just be super quick, super easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, speaking of the bosses, I felt like they the bosses were a, kind of a surprising highlight as well. Like, yeah, just I, the sheer like amount of them for sh- in, for one hand, but then also just like, I don't know, they were often some of the, the most fun fights, like, yeah, and obviously they're giant set pieces and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for me, the bosses were, were kind of the highlights towards the end. Um, I ended up playing like the last segment of the game, probably like six hours or so all in one sitting. Um, it got like kind of exhausting, but still oh, yeah. it was, <laughs> it was, they're all really yeah. good fights. That's the whole thing. It was just like, I almost just wanted a second to catch my breath because you know, every single one, like you kind of had to think about it. You had to think of the way you were going to approach the fight. Um, and so it made, you know, every boss fight really something different. And I never felt like I was repeating a fight when I was fighting a, a new boss. Um, even though there might seem like, oh, this is similar to this other boss. It wasn't necessarily the case. And so that was that was a really cool aspect of the game to me, um, just getting in there and really working at bosses and figuring out how to beat them and stuff like that. Yeah, I think they were really strong translations of uh, the enemies from the original. And, I mean, there were a couple surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I do agree with you, Aaron. <laughs> the end turns into kind of like a bus, uh, boss rush. Yeah. And it was like three in the morning. And I was just like, come on. <laughs> when does it all end? I can't stop now. Um, but yeah, I mean, what would you say was your favorite boss? Um, actually, I think I really like Rufus. Um, for whatever reason, just story-wise and how the how the fight all played out, I think uh, fighting Rufus was my favorite. Yeah, I remember that dog the first time. I hated that dog. It's so annoying. Once you get rid of it, the fight's not too tough. Um, it's just like nah. a cool fight, but yeah, that dog is just annoying. What about you, Sean? Who was what was your favorite boss to face? In the um, game? I have a few. I liked a lot of uh, almost pretty much all the ones where it was just kind of cloud duels. So the Rufus one for sure, but like with Rude and Reno, and I guess those are the main ones. Um, I like those. I like the Arsenal fight with um, Barrett and Tifa or uh, Aerith at the end because mm-hmm. um, it was such a different. Like, oh, we have two long range, and it was just like fun pinging back, ping ponging, like yeah. have your um, opposite ends of the battlefield. And he's just caught in the middle. Like to me, that was just like, oh, this is super fun. I like, and it, and we're this late in the game, and it's a completely new feel of a battle. I, I thought that was cool. Um, and and I like the idea. I wish they did it more of the fight with the with that weird fish, robot fish thing or whatever it is. Do you remember robot. near the? Fish what was thing. it called? Uh, it was like a snake. Oh, it, was, oh, it was near the end. Yeah, the... like the giant. Like it was like a sword serpent or something like that. I think that's what yeah, I the, I liked I liked that it switched between your two different parties. Mm-hmm. I wish they did that a little bit more often. Where like I don't know, like you have to it like set up something with one party and then it transitions to your other party and you have to do payoff on what you had set up or you know what I mean? Like yeah. you got to build it stagger meter with Tifa, but then it switches to the other battle part, and now you got to like just like when it gets staggered, unleash all this damage as Barrett. You know what I mean? It was a cool idea. Um, ultimately, that was actually one of the easiest fights in the whole game. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I think my personal favorite was the Hell House. Actually, one because when it first popped up, I was just psyched that they kept that crazy freaking enemy. I was just like. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't expecting them to translate that stupid thing into <laughs> the this slight this more realistic version of the game, but it was awesome the way they did it, and I I like that it it emphasizes the the stagger system and the weakness system, mm-hmm. and uh, I like the phases that it has. It on hard it was actually really fun because like it spawns like ton berries into the level Jeez. uh and it can also spawn like two of those freaking cutter machines at the same time and yeah it, it really it, i don't know it just it to me it felt like one of the more challenging fights but also the, the one of the more satisfying fights overall yeah yeah i agree with that i remember yeah really enjoying that fight i, I remember it took me a while it just generally because of having to go through the whole cycles because you can't just do much damage to them without getting the actual weaknesses without actually getting the stagger. But um, I I really enjoyed that fight as well. So it was definitely one of the more challenging fights. I will say that. But this is kind of one of my criticisms of it, and I don't know necessarily what the solution would be. But one thing that was kind of annoying that constantly happened is that you would get into a fight especially boss fights and find that the boss's one weakness or something was the element magic element that 
you didn't have a quit. And it's just like, well, um, okay, I guess I'm screwed. Like, it just felt like that came up constantly for me where I didn't happen to have, and they're constantly switching the elemental weaknesses. So it was just like, oh, well, I just had wind to quit because I was just fighting this bot. Like, and, and so that kind of became frustrating sometimes. I don't know if anyone else, you guys experienced yeah, that. Um, I experienced that with the hell house. Um, yeah, exa- that was, yeah. yeah, the worst offender where like, I, I did, I couldn't do any, it was just like me waiting for the one phase I could damage him and then he would switch off it. And so it was just me running around the field and it was just kind of like, just more frustrating than satisfying when I finally beat him. I guess I didn't have that big a problem because at the time I always made sure people had at least one opposite magic type available. So the first time I went into that, I already had, uh, I actually had three of the elements at that time. Uh, also, why do they only give you like one arrow? Anyways, that's beside the point. Um, uh, but it's interesting, especially when you loop back around and it's a harder difficulty and you can, and then the, it, it just seems like such a well-balanced fight. But no, I do, mm-hmm. I do agree with you. Like I often at times would like, I was lazy and I didn't want to swap everyone's materials just every time, uh, yeah, I swapped characters and because I knew I would just get the character back and I was like, oh, I don't want to have to reset him up, so on and so forth. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I would end up against somebody that was like just something I didn't have. Like oftentimes it was like, oh, they're weak against Arrow. And I was like, Ugh, Arrow's on Aerith. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Oh, also, did you? I didn't even realize there was that screen with the party materia. Did you? I didn't even realize that till like the last chapter of the yeah, game. I was the same way. I didn't you guys know what I'm talking about. Way late. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. What do you mean the party Ugh. materia? And so there's, I feel on one of the pay- menus. If you know, normally you go to the equipment page and you could swap out your mm-hmm. materia for whatever character you have selected, but there's a button you could press on one of the pages where it basically will display everyone's oh, material right, right, equipment right. all mm. on the same page that you could swap with at the all. You could swap everyone at the same time. And I was not aware of that till literally, I think chapter 17 or 18. Yeah. It was pretty late game when I first, I think I stumbled across it. Yeah. That's what I did yeah. too. I, I wish they had highlighted that in the beginning. That would have been nice because yeah. it would have made it a little easier to switch material constantly throughout the game. Like necessary. Uh, I mean, while we're talking and about materia, likewise with the sorry, likewise with the the elemental the assess materia, mm-hmm. like it, I maxed that out and it just felt like I was wasting a slot. But then there would always be enemies like, oh well, here's a new enemy, and then every time a pause comes up, like, well, I have I want to make sure I get everyone's battle intel. So like, it was another case where like there were one or two times where I actually reset my game and reloaded because like, oh, I wasn't expecting a boss here. I didn't have assess equipped. So I don't get to get this guy. You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess I gotta reload and re-equip assess. I just, I just suffered like, I don't know the what entire the, game yeah. with Cloud having assess in a slot. <laughs> I did yeah, the same eventually thing. I just settled on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, Cloud, Cloud's the mainstay, except for that one with Aerith and Barrett. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cloud was the. Mainstay. I luckily knew to. I knew because it gave you the option to menu uh, swap beforehand. So I'm like, oh, I know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna swap this. Um, but while we're on the the topic of material, we can talk about that a little bit. Um, how do you th- how do you feel about the variety of material? Some of them were new, ish. Um, some mm-hmm. of them were they allowed you to go way beyond what you could in the original seven at that point. How how did you guys feel about material? Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was a uh, the way they made the system it was 
it was pretty good, uh, pretty well balanced in my opinion. Um, I think I just wanted more materia readily available. Uh, we made we all made the joke about only having one arrow. Sometimes it just felt like, you know, I wanted to be able to equip multiple, you know, like multiple arrows on people and multiple like. Uh, even haste, actually, I was thinking about that one. Uh, I, I think I only came across one in the game. I don't know if there was actually more, but um, I think there ends up. I got two that I think there's one in the very late game that you find in addition to the one oh, it gives okay. you earlier. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably the only thing I think about the materia in a negative light is that I just wish that the variety of like I mean they give us a lot of different kinds of materia. I wish they just gave us mm-hmm. access to more materia. Um, you know, just being able to mm. buy multiple quantities of stuff because I found myself wanting at times. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, at first, like the first playthrough and everything, I was, I was kind of complaining that one that, uh, that would, what was it called? The one that would, uh, allow you to do it to everybody. What was it called? Uh, not, I'm looking at a list of them right now. Synergy? No, not synergy. What? Magnify? Magnify? Yeah, yeah that one. Magnify? The fact that they only give you oh, one. Yeah, of yeah. That, there's right? only one in the whole game. So you isn't really there? have to decide. Like, do yeah. I want to use it on, uh, on a magic like yeah. fire, ice, lightning, or do I want to use it on something more support buff like haste or barrier, or do I want to use it on healing? Right, like. Mm-hmm. But I feel I feel like that actually ended up on the hard playthrough, like it felt right for a balance mechanic, right? If you just like, obviously people, when you're playing through like seven, the original seven and stuff like that, you, you like to find like ways to kind of basically cheat the system, right? You try to find like the most powerful combinations and then kind of cheat them, you know, like the whole Knights of the round mimic type thing, right? Where you just cast it repeatedly, even though you shouldn't be able to so on and so forth. And a lot of people enjoy uh, find that, but I feel like in this game, especially being part one or whatever, they had to find a balance where you felt powerful, like you're getting more powerful, but you didn't feel mm-hmm. like abusively powerful, right? And that's the way it felt mm-hmm. to me on hard mode. I felt like it was the right balance for the magnify and for that. There's only like two elementals, right? So not everybody can just normal attack with the elemental of whatever right mm-hmm. it felt it felt right i guess but i did i did feel like there were some useless materials like or at least things that i never really found a good use for right um like warding i don't think i ever warded <laughs> yeah i think i had it just equipped all the time because it was a passive thing and i don't know if it actually ever helped but i did have it on i feel like the um the synergy was the one i never figured that out like i tried equipping it but well you gotta have it it's because you gotta have two of a certain materia equipped like no one's gonna have two you know fire equipped on two people i mean i guess you can but i think just generally it's not but that's the idea is that oh have fire equipped on two of your people and then They'll both cast it. I don't know, whatever. But it, it just was so, I don't know. I, it felt like a weird, I mean, I guess it's a cool idea. They gave you the option, but I just don't think mm-hmm. it was that practical. What about uh, the summons? How did you guys feel about the summons in the game and how they they uh, translated those into the remake? 
Um, I liked them. I thought they were really helpful when they'd pop. Um, it reminded me a bit of uh, 15's summon mechanic, of how they kind of, you know, it wasn't always like I could just automatically summon, you know, at certain times and stuff like that. It felt like... I. I feel like there was some kind of control over it, but I couldn't really I'm figure out sure exactly what HP. that was. Yeah, I, I think that seemed to be what was going on. But mm-hmm. um, basically, every chance I got to summon, I would summon. Um, I found myself summoning Ifrit the most. I don't know why. And then Shiva as well. Uh, but I thought it was really cool. And then, yeah, actually, the other thing I really liked was that you could use anyone's ATB gauge. To mm-hmm. utilize the summon's yeah. abilities, yeah. it didn't have to be the yeah, person cool. who had the summon materia. That was really helpful, and especially like, like when some bosses were like weak to fire, and you summon Ifrit, it's like just spam them with all of Ifrit's abilities, and it was just like, yeah, this boss toast. Yeah, I did like using uh, Shiva because all both of her abilities were like stagger abilities. They just massively increased stagger, so I just used her all the time to knock yeah. enemies into stagger. What about you, Sean? How'd you feel about the summons? Uh, yeah, I liked them. I think they, I think they served the purpose. They were they were fun. I think they they reminded me just like of summons in a lot of Final Fantasies, where they're a cool thing that definitely is fun to use, and they they feel useful, like as just like oh, I, I'm I'm really feel hurting here. Oh, this is perfect timing for this summon to show up, like. And I feel like that was kind of the best use, mm-hmm. best case mm-hmm. for him. Um, but I think ultimately, like, they probably could have not even been in the game. And I don't think I would have noticed. Well, you would have noticed because it's a Final Fantasy. You would have been like, where's, where's the summons? But well, no, yeah, but I just mean, like, <laughs> yeah. in terms of the, how you the battle make your way through plays the out and stuff, I wouldn't have summons, That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the last, the last thing... Um, it, is at least i can think of is uh the weapon system and how you could uh grow your weapons essentially and level them up very very 10 ish feeling sphere grid feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you guys feel about that um i loved it i actually i thought it was great it it made all my weapons feel relevant like i ended up still only using probably two or three but i used those two or three like cycled them it wasn't you know what i mean so I, I like that feeling. I like like being able to kind of keep all my weapons in rotation, and it felt fun to like. Oh, I still have the Buster Sword equipped because it's still my best weapon, and I could fight Sephiroth <laughs> using the Buster Sword. Keep it canon with right. those yeah. SMGs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I I really like the weapons and how how versatile they were, and how changing weapons actually made sense and mattered. Um, mm-hmm. I mean that was that was a really cool thing for them to do because a lot of the times in you know Final Fantasy games you'll just get a new weapon you know, sell the old one you don't need it anymore or whatever the case is and it's always go off whatever the strongest one is and and the cool thing about this game is that it actually incentivizes you to not do that because sometimes you know mm-hmm. all right this time I'm going to spec Tifa out to be a magic user cuz I know I really need magic for this fight cool I'm going to equip the the whatever the mithril gloves or the mithril cause because it's like those are better magic and so it was really I don't know the cool way to kind of change up your characters it was a cool way to kind of uh, even go into fights like if if you know you knew what was coming which was rarely because it's only if you died or or reset um, which I did a couple of times Sean as well when I just got too frustrated yeah. I was like I can't beat this because I'm just not set up for this fight 
Um, yeah, but uh, it was you know it was pretty neat uh, way that they did the weapons. Um, I did find myself favoring certain types of weapons and certain types of uh, setups for characters, but overall, I think I used all the weapons. Um, except I just didn't get that one staff for Aerith, the one that you have to like get from the, the boss. Steel. <laughs> yeah. yeah you gotta steal it and um the only reason i did is because when i scanned him when i fought him the first time i noticed he had a weapon you could steal so i reset that was and the then one time in the game steel I to, yeah. as well i saw it i scanned him i saw it and i was like gosh dang it <laughs> it's funny because because i just didn't for whatever reason i was like eh, i don't need it that bad <laughs> and like now I'm like i don't know why i didn't go back and do that reset plenty of other times uh but yes, yeah, I think that's the only weapon I missed. I didn't get that one, but I got every other weapon besides that. Um, and yeah, they're they're all really neat and versatile and cool. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. What what weapon? Well, I guess I'll just do the one. What weapon did you end up using the most for like Cloud? You know, I would bounce between the Buster Sword and the Dual Stinger a lot. Actually, Dual Stingers felt really balanced, but Buster Sword was also mm-hmm. really balanced. Um, so it was kind of a kind of a tough thing and then you know i'd bounce through the various ones but i kind of used buster sword a lot um throughout most of the game until i got the dual stinger of course or twin stinger what about you sean um it was buster sword and then actually the uh mystic whatever the one that was kind of like naturally high in magic sword or whatever yeah, Mithril Sword or whatever. I ended up using that a fair amount because for the longest time it had the most Materia slots. Mm-hmm. So it was, I just kind of liked having that, you know, at a uh, benefit. I, I'm like the only person I know that I basically used the Iron Sword throughout the entire game. <laughs> My stats on the Iron Side were awful. So I like it, it just had the weakest stats of anything. I don't know. Maybe that's a special over, bonus. Overall, like, right? I don't think it specialized necessarily mm. in anything, but like mm. if you you max it out in growth, like you lose a lot. It actually it has stats, general stats higher than any other sword, but in terms of like yeah. attack and magic and stuff, it's just kind of middle ground, high upper middle mm-hmm. ground, I would say. But I ended up using that because it was just best overall stats wise. Plus, it had the that that last stand ability. Um, oh, yeah, but I guess I guess that's the one thing I didn't like about uh, the the weapon the weapon growth was the fact that there is actually enough points to max out every weapon. Which to me, like I get it. But at the same time, it's just I kind of wish they hadn't. So everything felt a little bit more unique in how you built things, more personal in how you built things. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But, uh, I mean, gameplay and design, I think we all, as you can tell from the discussion, we all really enjoyed it. Is there anything else you guys yeah. want to touch on in that area? that I missed? Um, no, I mean, well, I mean, specifically the combat, no, I think we kind of covered it. I think just in general, before we maybe get to some of the more story character stuff, I, I want to at least point out some of the other more gameplay mm-hmm. mechanically, mechanical aspects. Um, and that's kind of the pacing. Um, I mean, this kind of le- leads into the story, I suppose, but it, it, I don't even mind. I liked a lot of the quests. I liked the, like, for what they were, like, if I t- just took the quest for, like, okay, this is just, you know, a fun little thing. But I think the timing of a lot of the stuff 
it, it I know padded is kind of like the word everyone's using to describe it, but I can't think of a better word. So yeah, it just felt padded mm. and unnecessary. I mean, the best of example times. of that's at the like, end, right? When you're in the Shinra building and then it just yeah. stops you dead in your yeah. tracks to do more freaking, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. More of the little combat. And yeah, I remember that I told, I was talking to you, Chris, like I stopped playing partially cause you know, I got busy and I didn't have the time, but I stopped playing for like a week when yeah. I got to that section. I was like, well, yeah. All right. I guess this is, yeah. Um, so. The pacing to me, it, it it wasn't so bad as to be, you know, end of the world kind of thing. I think a lot of, a lot of criticism is that you know it's war worse than that, but it definitely didn't help things. You know, when right before the game came out, they talked about uh, in one of their press releases or whatever they were talking about how all of the little quests had like their own unique stories and stuff like that, and part of me was excited. And I was like, oh, man, that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Because, you know, when The Witcher 3 came out, they emphasized that. And it had all, like, the stories felt awesome in almost, like, full game plots and yeah. things like that. So in my mm-hmm. mind, I kind of psyched myself up for, like, oh, man, everything's going to, they're going to have, like, more meaningful kind of side content and stuff like that. And then I think the first mission you get is to just kill rats for whatever reason. And I was just yeah. like, all yeah. right. All right. Fooling rats. Finding cats. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I agree with you on, on some of that stuff. It just felt kind of padded. Yeah, I did it all, but it was one of those things that I was like, okay, like, you know, if I didn't do this, would this have really changed my gameplay experience or affected the main story? That's where I kind of struggle with it. You know, and I agree with Sean saying it feels padded because of that reason. I think a lot of that stuff could be skipped and it really wouldn't affect um, overall story of the game at all. Uh, but, you know, not really. But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they did they did hook that stuff into decision trees in the game. Right. Like, yeah, the dresses that you mm-hmm. get for each independent character it relates mm-hmm. to how many side quests you do during that character's like yeah. little arc, like Tifa's chapter three, yeah. Aerith's chapter nine, Cloud's chapter 10, right? Like if the options of dresses and everything directly correlate to the stuff like that. Um, yeah. I was going to say that they could have was... found other ways to tie it in. Yeah. I'm not using that as an excuse. Okay. I'm just saying they, they tied it in that way. So it does have some effect. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that segment of, I mean, actually, that segment of the game happened to be one of my favorite segments of the game. Um, but I, I completely agree. It's like, yeah, I, I felt rewarded for doing it at that time. Um, because I was like, wow, you know, this is actually affecting my story. You know, changing their dresses, really. But it felt like it was really affecting my story. And it was, I don't know, it was a lot of fun, actually. I had, I had fun with that whole aspect of the game. Um, but, yeah, it felt like some of the other ones, like like you were saying, like, killing rats and stuff like that it's like wait how does this really affect um i I just found myself questioning that from time to time Uh, yeah but that's it yeah um i think just to kind of add in i guess padding a little bit it didn't bother me too much but it was still kind of patty like where just the, the silly little puzzles they would put in like the arm the arm puzzles right 
Oh, like when they you're going through the ruined part. put in one or two too many of those uh, arm puzzles. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I'll, for our last one, I was like, is this the last one? Please be yeah. the last one. I thought we were going to be through this thing already. I kindergarten, guys. I can, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Put the crate down. Put Aerith on the crate. Drop other crate on Aerith. <laughs> Nailed <Got> it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It, anything else you guys wanted to bring up before we move on into story? Uh... Mm. all right well then now we're going to enter the spoiler zone warning we will just be throwing out spoilers left and right all over the place that's really the only purpose of this the segment is to talk of spoilers so you've been warned the story how'd you feel about it why (laughs) why well also it, it might be interesting um just to briefly discuss our past with Final like, have we all played through the original? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. I assume, yeah, I, I mean, I, I know we have, but <laughs> just so, you know, just, just so, like, listeners know that we are from the perspective of people who have played yeah. the original. Um, and who have engaged with most of the compilation material? All, of, all it. of it. Yeah, I mean... I played Dirge, I have not, Crisis Core, and... Uh, yeah, I, I never played um, Dirge of Cerberus, and I never played the mobile before, games, I guess. Before Crisis? I got yeah. that. I never played that, yeah. And then uh, we all watched Advent Children. This doesn't really affect it, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of. Well, it's to be determined. Yeah, actually, that's it. It's to, to be, be determined. It, it's probably more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, actually, Final Fantasy VII always had a kind of a special place in my heart because even though I didn't play it right when it came out, actually, Final Fan- I played Final Fantasy VIII ever before I played Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> um, but the time that I played Final Fantasy VII was shortly after I played VIII. I was just transitioning into high school, and I ended up having a cyst on my neck that I had to constantly go to the doctors for and eventually had to have surgically removed. And I remembered that Final Fantasy VII was a gift from my parents to kind of like keep me calm through that period of time, right? So it always kind of had like that special feeling for me. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Um, oddly enough, I have a pretty, not I have a system on my neck, but I have a pretty similar way that I played Final Fantasy VII. I played Final Fantasy VIII first. Um, and that was kind of my basis for Final Fantasy. And then um, everyone said, oh, you got to play seven. So I went back and played seven uh, my freshman year of high school. And uh, it was just kind of like a, I don't know, I guess it was a big thing for me. Uh, a lot of the times, you know, games or movies that you watch as you're maturing are, you know, hold very special places in your heart. And for that reason, of course, this game does. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, how about you, Sean? Oh, well, yeah, sorry, I guess I did bring it up, but, um, I mean, I just played it when it came out. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any interesting story, I guess, I don't think. 
I don't know. I played it when I was a kid. I mean, we played it with Ryan and I played it when it came out mm-hmm. and Lana. We got it. I, that's that's why we got a PlayStation. I remember is we got the PlayStation just for Final Fantasy Seven. Um, and yeah, I mean, I remember at the time playing it and just like being blown away by everything and have obviously lots of fond memories about it and stuff. Um, and. And yeah, I mean, I definitely the target audience for it at the time and definitely one of the people who like looks like is a Final Fantasy seven stan in terms of like, yeah, OK, this was the peak of gaming for me as a as a kid. So, hmm. so um, how would you feel, yeah. say it holds up to your childhood memories? Um, You mean the remake? Yes. OK. That. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's not really an easy answer to that. I, I, I would say in some ways it lives up to it. It, it hits that in some ways it definitely does not, but in some ways it kind of goes beyond that. Like it, it appeals to me on a level, on a different level, um, not necessarily better, but, but in a way that the original can't, um, and there's a lot of mixed, just like crazy emotions and feelings with all of that. And and this kind of goes into what I was talking about in terms of what remakes mean in general. But that's I, I think the the re- reason this game is a success to me, um, a flawed success, is because of those feelings. It, it, it makes me not feel the same feelings I had when I was a kid playing the game, but it makes me feel different but equal feelings. If that makes any sense, yeah, no, it does. I I would concur with those those sentiments for sure. Um, um, I don't feel I I do feel like it, like you said, for the for the most part, the game it it felt almost other than the padding that we discussed a little earlier. It felt beat for beans, felt iconic, right? They felt like pretty mm-hmm. darn great translations of what I imagined as a kid looking at those little yeah. blocky polygons flying mm-hmm. around the screen doing their thing. Uh one one element or one one thing in particular that really I thought they just nailed perfectly was uh when you first meet Aerith in the church, right? Like that that whole beat I felt like it was mm-hmm. everything I could have imagined originally plus more, you know, skimming the rooftops yeah. and really getting that uh a feel for who Aerith was and the relationship she was going to have with Cloud uh, all the way to mm-hmm. reaching her house. And I just remember when I reached her house and I saw the recreation of like her garden and stuff like that, I was just blown away. I was like, this is exactly it. This is it. This is exactly what it should yeah. be and is. Yeah, I, I agree. There were just some, there were some beats like that in the game that just like really hit you. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is, Every reason I wanted to play this game was for beats like that. Like, like you mentioned, when obviously going to Eric's house is such a cool, such a cool moment and such an awesome, like fantastic visual. Um, the other one, actually, I really was like impressed by and really forward by, and I, I think even the way they, you know, this all looks now um, adds so much more gravitas. Is when they drop the plate, it's like crazy. Mm-hmm kind of thing like i mean you know in, in the original it's kind of you know the ending point of that of that section uh to a certain extent uh you know kind of launches you towards the shinra building and obviously off into the world 
but it's just the way they did it in this one, you know, the whole battle leading up to it, the actual cutscenes for it, you know, that was a huge story beat for me that like really hit home. I was like, yeah, that's right. Like this really feels like Final Fantasy seven. This really hits those story beats that I cared so much about the first time around. Um, and whatnot. Yeah. What about you, Sean? Was there any scene in particular that really stood out as memorable? Um, I mean, so many, actually. I mean, it, it's funny because, like I said, I, I really didn't want this. I, when they announced it, whatever, five years ago, and everyone's going crazy, I was very much like, why, though? Um, like, just just go play the original. I mean, I don't know. It, it's interesting because... I don't, I always think, or I think Ryan, maybe I remember Ryan saying this, or maybe he got it from somewhere, but like in terms of remake remakes in general, nothing is beyond being remade. Like there's nothing, there's no piece of art. There's nothing. I don't think, I think you make a good argument that there's nothing that's so good. It can't be remade a new, you know, a song that can't be covered, a story that can't be retold, a movie that can't be remade. So I'm willing to have anything remade. Now the question is, should, like, why are you remaking it? Like, what what purpose is there to remake Fantasy Seven other than, like, I don't know. Like, what? Why? Just go play the original. And so I was very much of that mindset when they announced it, and it just felt so pandering. Just like the fans have demanded. It's like, no, the fans haven't demanded it. You have some <laughs> like very vocal like people who probably don't even care that much but they like to like seem like they care that much so they are very loud um but so i was very much like i don't like i don't who cares like why we, we don't need to make this go make a new game or something um ironically though the stuff that really stood out to me and my favorite moments were all the scenes that were almost you know beat for beat like that the, the oh, they had me from the opening cinematic mm. by the way like that opening <laughs> cinematic they are they were already riding high. They are they would have had to have like dropped the ball repeatedly to kind of to ruin those good graces. Cause that opening cinematic with the music swell and like and then the you know wide on Midgar and then the zoom on the train, it is exactly what a like it's it's what I am um, like what you remember the actual game the original game to be. But then you go back and play it, and you're like, oh, this isn't, no, this, <laughs> this doesn't look like what I remember. But then you watch that, and you're like, oh my God, this is, this is exactly what I remember it, as cool as I remember it in my fake memories. <laughs> and oh, it, it had me from the beginning, and tying into the music just in general. The, the music was so freaking good in this yeah, game. I, I love the music. So <laughs> it was much. Just... I'm not even a big music guy, but like every single track was just like, just like perfect in terms of the, the remixes. The the classics that like everything, even the originals were. <laughs> I like the karaoke guy, karaoke guy, Midgar Blues. Like that song. <laughs> oh yeah, um, is hilarious and just like yeah. Um, anyways, so like a lot of those those kind of very very beat for beat, I you know same scenes were the ones were my favorite. Like like the Aerith scene for sure, and the opening. Um, I don't know what else stood Climbing out. Climbing the stairs. I think. Yeah, climbing mm. the stairs for sure. <laughs> that was funny. Um, uh, I think kind of transition a little bit. Just in general, what I think they nailed it in terms of that aspect, in terms of the storytelling aspect of the game, are the characters, and and that was the biggest surprise for yes. me. Yes, is how much yes. I loved the characters yeah, in this game. A thousand times, yes. I I just have that in my notes. It's just big bold things. Was they the characters that 
their portrayal, even their voice actors. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they all felt perfect for the role, and the delivery felt very authentic. And, I mean, we, we kind of discussed this uh, offline when it first came out and everything, I think even during the demo. Cloud, obviously he's the center of this, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Um, Advent Children. I love Advent Children. I do. He's very emo in Advent Children. He's much more of a squall in Advent Children <laughs> yes, than he yes. is uh, how mm. he was in Final Fantasy VII. They reeled themselves back in because I know how how you know anime nowadays loves their emo mm-hmm. main characters. They reeled themselves back in and they made him the cloud that he was in Seven. You know, just this cocky, yeah. self assured character uh, that you know has like these little quirks, different quirks with every character. Really, mm-hmm. the way he approaches talking with Aerith and talking with Tifa, talking with all the characters that under that gives that underlying feeling of like fake right because obviously we know he's not who he thinks he is right yeah and it it shows in the fact that he doesn't have any one strong personality overall right it changes with the person he's with they nailed that i felt yeah i agree yeah i mean i think like more than anything too it just like like just the growth throughout this game as a character or maybe not the growth but just kind of the change um in term like he he's a very much a you know a a um a trope it's kind of you know the very stoic mercenary but a heart of gold kind of thing like the 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 idea of the character is not wholly original that's for sure but i think the execution of it and the small little character moments and lines that just flesh out all of that stuff by the end of the game you he he's so much more than that and you come to realize that and and and, and that's displayed in all the little interaction stuff he it's he's so like i laughed out loud a ton in this game but one of my favorite lines and i just i, I laugh every time i think about it, is the don corneo sequence when he's in yeah. a dress that whole sequence is amazing, by the way, all of the wall market. <laughs> yeah. But but you get into thrown in the dungeon and you find Tifa and Tifa's like, wait, Cloud, is that you? And he's like, yeah, nailed it. I know. Get over it. Like, moving on. <laughs> it's just like, I, I love Like, he's like, he's, he's, he's funny about it. Like, he, he's funny about it and he knows he's being funny about it. But he's, I don't know. Like, it's hard to describe. But it's just like. It's those perfect moments of writing and character and delivery, like everything kind of culminating in a way that both feeds into what we remember of the game, being these character and our idea of these characters, but does it in a way that the original can't do. And I think that's why this in general succeeds. And when it succeeds, it's those moments. It's doing and hitting on those like kind of emotional notes that the original can't because it doesn't have voice acting or it doesn't have the doesn't have the same level of writing, you know, the quality of writing and mm-hmm. translation as this one does. And that's not saying this is perfect. There, there, I have plenty of flaws and there's plenty of like foibles and writing issues, but, but the best parts of it are just like, Oh, this makes me love this <laughs> character so much more. I love, I love cloud in this game, but I love, I love all the characters. I love Barrett is uh, so cool. Like he's so good. Like Again, showing so much more depth and, and growth mm-hmm. throughout the game. Aerith is so freaking good. And like she she was always kind of like in the original, like, yeah, okay, everyone likes Aerith. She's but she's just kinda like, whatever. She's 
a healer and she's pretty Manic, and everyone picks you. Everyone likes her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in this game, she's like, oh man, she's witty and she's like making fun of Cloud and she's smart and she's just like, I don't know. She's so good. Like, and, and it was true with all the characters and some, some play more into those anime stereotypes. I think Begs, uh, Biggs, Jesse and Wedge border, push that f- further than most of the yeah. other characters and maybe some of the villains like Heidegger and, and Scarlet. I think those are maybe the ones that, you know, feel a little bit less authentic to me. Um, but, but all the main characters and, and a lot of the side characters too. I, they're so, I, I love them. They're so good. The writing and the little character moments and dialogue and everything is it, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Barrett as a, is a perfect example, right? Like at the beginning of the game, even when I was playing the demo, I think I voiced my concern about Barrett's representation mm-hmm. and the way he was talking and just blurting out random mm-hmm. crap and how he kind of bugged me. But, you know, like you get, you get further in, you, you start to see like him developing, you know, and like, I just remember after the plate drop, that scene where he's, you know, just so frustrated and he's broken and he's just like yelling at the rock and punching. And I was just like, man, this voice acting is just phenomenal right now. He's just like killing it. I feel his pain. Like he's not whoever mm-hmm. he is. He's just Barrett. And it, it felt it just felt real, I guess. I don't know. It, it was something that. Like, I remember when I first played Mid- Midgar on the PS1, it's like, yeah, play fell. He, he kind of punches the thing a couple times, sad music. Mm-hmm. It didn't it, it didn't hit me like it did in this one. Yeah. 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 Good point. Um, especially, yeah, I was going to say, I, I really, I had some of the same issues with Barrett when I was playing the demo, too. Like, why is he just shouting things? And I feel like he's almost, yeah. <laughs> it, it felt like they were trying to make him like this comic relief or even like, hey, look, he's saying the one-liners that you guys want, right? And it's like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, like, you know, as he progresses throughout the game, he just becomes like, you know, he he pretty quickly becomes like a real character. And you're like, okay, wait, he's not all just this junk that's happening here um, in this first portion. But yeah, he, but he really progresses really well. And, you know, towards the very end, when you all go into, like, the void, whatever that thing was, um, he, like, takes off the sunglasses and he's, like, thinking about Marlene. It's, like, like they really humanize him so well in that moment. And you can, like, feel for him. Like, like yeah, he what mm-hmm. what is he doing this for? You know, a lot of times you think, oh, he's fighting for what's right. No, he's fighting for his daughter to have a future. Like, that's what he's doing this for. And so they really, like, portray that a lot through just the voice acting and, and just character moments stuff like that and i felt actually overall with the characters uh one of the things i really really loved about it was i felt like the characters actually bonded and became friends and became close mm-hmm. throughout this game yeah. and during different interactions and stuff like that like i believe the relationships you know in the original game it's all just text and stuff like that and you know you're kind of creating relationships in your head and of course you're caring about these characters because you're playing with them uh but i felt like they you know they really tried to make their dialogue reflect that and actually try to make their interactions start reflecting how much they really started to care about each other and really started to uh, become friends and and get in this together. And, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, clouds in the beginning talking about money and price and stuff like that. I mean, as cocky, arrogant cloud. And, you know, as he kind of progresses, he starts, you know, they all kind of start realizing as he's realizing, ah, wait a second. No, I do care about this because I care about you guys. And so it's just, I don't know, it was really cool. I thought, you know, those aspects um, were really well done. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing uh, I actually have here as a note is, uh, like you said, I, the the characters felt like they were connecting more, right? And one thing that it felt like they emphasized adding to this remake was more scenes between Aerith and Tifa, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the note that I wanted to point out is I wrote down that it felt like Tifa was kind of the heart of the the game or the group, if you would, right? Like, I feel like the way she was portrayed, it she kind of just drew everybody together. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I was almost going to say, I was going to say that Barrett felt like the heart in terms of the emotional sense. Like I felt like he was kind of in a weird way, the emotional core of the, but I felt like Tifa, I know what you mean by heart though. And, and I don't disagree. Like she's like the, um, the kind of central pillar of it. She's kind of holding everything together. And that's Tifa. She's um, the glue. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Like she, she definitely is kind of just like the stalwart, just like, and, and again, this all plays a little bit into if you have played the original, knowing what kind of all the backstory and the full story of what these characters are and mean that adds to it, but it's not dependent on it. I think that it's also potentially a success in that regard in that in terms of the characters and all that stuff, I I, I don't know because I don't have that experience, but I, I, I think they would probably stand on their own. Like if you had never played the original. These characters are fully fleshed characters that don't need to uh, you for you to have played the original. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I, I, I would honestly be interested to know how it comes off. I imagine everything mm-hmm. holds up amazingly until maybe the end. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the little character small things too. Just like again, just I don't know. I was just cracking up. There's the scene at the end. Well, again, like kind of showing the character the animosity a little bit between Barrett and Cloud. Just kind of this aggressive kind of um, uh, relationship they have, and by the end they're you know buddy buddy and kind of still making fun of each other, but you know you know they're on the same side now. They get it. And there's a scene like right at the very end where they're like separated with Tifa and Aerith, and they're like in the lab, in Hojo's lab. Um, by the way, that's another mm-hmm. pacing thing. That whole lab just felt like. Uh, anyways, um, but like they're on the other side of a door, and they're like what? And so then you switch to Tifa and Aerith. And you hear a banging on the door, and they're just like Cloud and Bear are just like hitting the door with their oh, yeah. sword. <laughs> <laughs> it just like felt so funny. Just like I don't know, let's just start hitting it with our swords and guns and shooting it. And then I think when you're playing this Barrett by yourself, uh, you know, and you're going through, and he just has his gun, and you can start shooting things. And then Tifa joins you later, and she sees yeah. like the doors burst open, and she's like. Was that? Did you just shoot your way through this? He's like, yeah. What do you? Of course I did. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had that quote down here as like a small character moment that I loved. He was just like, yeah, it worked, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like all those small little things, which again, there were elements of that in the original. Obviously, there's small little dialogue, you know, little voice di- or dialogue boxes and stuff. But I just feel like all of those things in this game were just very, very precise and elegant, and just like just did wonders for making me feel connected to these characters and making them feel like actual human characters, as opposed to, you know, anime JRPG silly things. <laughs> like, you know, what I, mean? I don't know how to describe that, but they felt like actual characters. Like there's plenty of kind of weird, silly dialogue, but for the most part, it felt like dialogue written by humans. Yeah. Like, mm. like they talk like humans talk. Yeah. 
I mean, one one other small character moment I put that I that I enjoyed was like the little high five joke with Aerith. Yeah, and as you're like making, oh your yeah, way for through, sure. And when like, he, Cloud finally like shows up, and he's and she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, nothing, nothing." <laughs> and nothing. she's like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> like she gets it, and she's like, "I'm <laughs> sorry." <laughs> we'll do it next time, I swear. <laughs> yeah, I love um, that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how did you feel about the fleshed out Jesse Biggs Wedge stuff? Um, I think overall I liked it. Um, uh, yeah. It felt like their ultimate demise uh, had a little bit more impact. Um, well, except for Biggs apparently now is not gone. Uh, but it felt like, you know, it because they felt like characters and people like you got to know and, you know, the whole little side mission when you go and uh, meet Jesse or go to Jesse's house and whatnot and all that kind of stuff feels a little bit more like, uh, I don't know, just a little bit more in depth and, and whatnot. Uh, I felt like they might've spent a little too much time on it though. Um, but I did overall like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That mission in general, I thought was a good, it was one of the few like completely new things. And I thought it was good. I like, I like that whole like chapter four or whatever it was side stuff. And in general, I liked all the characters stuff, like with Jesse and Biggs and Wedge. I, like I said, they they still didn't stand out to me over the main characters, um, and they weren't so like distracting that they felt like a negative or anything. In general, I liked them. I think they it was just kind of interesting how they played with some of like the like Wedge died, but then he didn't, and. It, I think my, I guess part of my issue is just that like a lot of the side stuff that I felt was filler was tied to them. So it just like, Oh, we got to go rescue wedge from this lab. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I just, it wasn't so much the character. It was just like oddly linked to these things. I don't know. I did. I did. Like, I don't know how I feel about that final scene with wedge where he gets thrown out the window. Yeah. And he's like, just tell me that I mattered or something like that. Because like yeah. when he's thrown out the window, I'm like, but but did you? <laughs> well, I guess my point with there is this: like, well, then why didn't they just? I mean, I uh, well, getting into you know the obviously bigger discussion, but it's just like, wait, why didn't you just kill him the beginning when he was supposed to die, and at the beginning, mm-hmm. but earlier when he was supposed? To, I, I don't. It, it was just kind of a strange. I don't know. It, it ended up being. Like still is pretty sad still, because I remember actually it's funny I just played the part where the where the plate fell and you last you see of Wedge is his getting him his getting or getting his cats and you think he dies and I, I think I texted you Chris I'm like oh well poor Wedge that was kind of sad he just died yeah. getting his yeah. cats and that was really like man that was dark and then he's not dead and he's like oh I guess he's not dead but then they kill him anyway and it felt a little less impactful but it was still actually kind of sad because it kind of gets to the heart of the matter like I. Did I? Did it even matter? Did he? Did he even? Did I even do anything here? <laughs> and I don't know. I I wish I could tell you you did, Wedge, but yeah. I don't know. So I mean, I guess since we're we're on it, let's talk about fate and these little fate things that are flying around. How'd you feel? How'd you feel about fate coming into play so heavy-handedly? Man, when the heartless first showed up, <laughs> that's that's really what it felt like. And and actually, that's one of those things that I was like, ah, this is where my hangups at. Like. It felt like a li- it went a little heartless in that whole, even the way you fought them and they fought you. It felt a little bit like King- Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, 
the point, I was like, is this necessary? The idea, like, I like the idea of it, like defying fate and changing your fate and stuff like that. Um, and I like that they're kind of just setting up, like, this will not exactly be the game that you remembered. We're going to do things different. I just don't know that I liked these things themselves. That makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Like, I, the, the whispers themselves, like, it, the other thing, too, is I don't know how obvious it was. It felt fairly early on that I'm like, I think I know what they're doing with this. And, and it was. And I don't mind that. That's that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, but the execute, like, a lot of times it was just kind of confusing more than anything. And in terms of the story, um, it just felt like kind of inconsistent. And, yeah, I don't. I feel like there was maybe a better way for them to execute that idea. That being said, I loved what they were trying to do. I think what they were trying to do and what the idea of all of these elements, um, to me, that is like, so, I don't know how to bold and just like, yes, I am all for doing these kind of things with remakes and games in general and whatever. Like, so all the more power to them. I, I wish it was executed maybe more <laughs> coherently, but um Well, I mean I'm sure because yeah, it's broken into parts it'll get a little bit more coherent as it goes along and we'll get a, a better idea of what set these things off, right? Mm-hmm. It kind yeah, of what it I all guess means. what I like obviously the ending, I, right? And everything that freaking goes down in the ending. It's not meant for us to be able to figure out right now. No, not at all. I, I, I'm not expecting to be figured out, but I just mean like it felt like, okay, so the whispers are, you know, fate and things are supposed to happen. And by the way, all the meta, meta stuff and, and implications, I'm 100% mm-hmm. behind the meta behind all this stuff, even if it's a little on the nose, heavy handed, but it reminds me of, you know, Cabin in the Woods kind of thing or whatever. Like, I I love that. I love... I don't think it's um, bitter towards the audience, but you could definitely read it that way. I think it's more, it's less, um, and you know, there's less of a conflict with the audience. I think it's kind of almost like the whispers are embodiment of the audience, but also developers themselves, almost like their own back of their mind, their own like misgivings. Like, are we sure we should be doing this remake? Like these are, Oh, I want to do this, but I have this thing in the back of my head telling me I need to do it this way because that's what we should be doing. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it, it, it doesn't purely work as like a, a poke at the audience. Even if it did, I would still love it. That being said, it, it a lot of times it's just kind of incon- like, so Barrett gets stabbed and then they bring mm-hmm. him back to life. Okay. So then wh- like, why didn't they just prevent him from being stabbed? Because in other cases, they prevented things. Well, I feel things like the things that involved Sephiroth in particular, I think it hinted at he was stronger than most fates in general. But I, but you know what I'm saying, though? It's like sometimes they prevented things But I don't think they changing. ever prevented sometimes they, with Sephiroth. Things changed and then it... they prevented a lot of other things. Like, and that led, that led to questions for me that as to what could have changed things so minutely. But like when Aerith, you're trying to escape in the church and Aerith almost falls over the balcony and the fate like kind of lifts her back up and you're just like, what, what would have caused her yeah. to almost fall off the balcony? What could change something so specific like that? But uh, mm-hmm. 
But no, I don't think at any point in the game do they ever really pose a hindrance to Sephiroth other than the big ones that you fight at the end, which he purposefully pits you against. Um, maybe. I mean, I I have to remember every specific case, but it just felt in terms of like, okay, so... Well, actually, Barrett dying. Like Wedge. Does like Wedge, him. for example. Wedge didn't die. I mean... So why did they have to kill him later? What? So Wedge right. didn't die when he should well, have no, died. I mean, that's a good died. question. Why didn't why they not? kill him sooner? Why didn't they correct it sooner, right? I guess that's that, my point. It's like, it's just inconsistent. Like, that. what? Like... Yeah. It's just things like that. That's all I mean. And then maybe on a broader level, I feel like it kind of, I don't, okay. So taking the, the theme or, you know, one of the main points of the original was this idea of protecting the planet. Right. And in this one, they specifically say the fates are like the will of the planet. So you're defying the planet, but you're also saving like, well, what? I don't think there's. I, I mean, what? they still want to protect the planet to a, a general degree, but at the same time, so I've read an interesting thing about the ending of Final Fantasy VII while reading about things about the remake, and that's a lot of ending of Final Fantasy VII where you see Red Thirteen running around with his kids in a desolate area, mm-hmm. as that is past the extinction of yeah. humanity. Yeah, I know that's an interpretation. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have read it that way, but. I, that's what yeah sure but i mean a lot of things that they hint at in this game especially towards the end as they get there is correcting it right and they're like all all the key beats that we know right like Aerith getting stabbed and the, mm-hmm. the the potential ending of humanity and all those other huge beats right like you see them flowing through their minds and they're like mm-hmm. i think Aerith is like we can we can do it right this time right we can we can save the day without all the loss and destruction Sure, uh, but I'm saying that they specifically say, I think Red 13 specifically says the whispers are the will of the, we, like, if if it, so then you are defying the will mm-hmm. of the planet. Right. I, I get, like, it. But defying the, the will of the planet, is that the same as saving the planet? Maybe the planet just wants to die. I, I don't know, but that's my point. It's very confusing. That's my yeah. whole point. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just like, what, it, like, so you are destroying the will of the planet, but, like, I don't know. It just, it, it, that's what I mean. Is it just the execution is inconsistent? It felt confusing. It, and it didn't, like, and maybe it'll be yeah. fleshed out in future installments, I hope, but it didn't feel like it needed to be confusing. Like, if you're defying fate, Okay, then maybe don't link fate with the planet. You didn't have to link the idea of fate with the planet, but they specifically did. Well, I think by linking fate with the planet, it was meant to be more of a Sephiroth motivator, right? Because Sephiroth is also trying to defy fate and destroy the planet. So the fates getting in his way serves as a motivation. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that. Maybe. I mean, I do like the idea of Sephiroth like trying to defy fate, and you and defying fate in general. Is, is what set that off, right? Yeah, I mean, which what yeah. changed that gave him that knowledge to know to change things? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, so there's yeah. obviously, I'm sure, lots of theories. It, this reminded me a little bit of the uh, Star Trek 09, JJ Abram, Abrams. Mm-hmm. They kind of got to like 
they're getting to have their cake and eating it too, where it's just like, yeah, we're doing, uh, you know, this is the new or the old Final Fantasy, but oh, wait, it's still new and canon. It doesn't erase the old canon because it's a different timeline. We're changing fate, <laughs> but it's also the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they kind of get to do whatever they want in any given time. And I think yeah, I'm, I'll, yeah. that's fine. That's, I mean, to me, that's, that's clever. Like, okay, sure. You, you came up with a valid reason in my mind to be able to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it'll be interesting to see for sure in the future. Lots of questions posed by the ending. But before we go necessarily into those questions, uh, I mean, there are a couple of things that are still worth talking about before we get into the direct ending and what it could mean. Things like uh, the the whole wall market scene, right? I, I feel like that warrants talking. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. Well, so they made they made changes to it, right? Yeah. It's not the same that it was. They they modernized mm-hmm. it. They changed specific elements of it for better or worse, right? So when in the original, when you go there, you're dealing with a lot of cross dressers, right? The people at the gym mm-hmm. all come off as cross dressers, so on and so forth. Yeah. That's not the case in this one. I think beyond mm-hmm. the guy Andrea, the the guy that uh, runs the Honeybee mm-hmm. Inn, mm-hmm. there, there there weren't really things like you weren't you weren't hot tubbing with a bunch of men. And having awkward conversations and stuff like that. Yeah. You going, going out to hunt for women's underwear. Like I feel like there were significant changes yeah. specifically to that spot. How did you How did you feel about those changes? Um, I overall liked them. Uh, I mentioned earlier uh, the whole wall market area is probably one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, I, I just thought you know the side quests they sent you on were really good. Um, I thought the characters there, the characters that they added were really interesting. Um, you know, it was just I, I thought overall that whole aspect of the game or that whole portion of the game was was a really fun, uh, I don't know, element I guess. Um, it was you know, and I like the way that they changed uh, Cloud getting the dress. You know, it, it's about okay. We got to sneak in. You know, you can't can't send Aerith in there by herself. We got to sneak in together, and you know all that stuff. And um, having to go and do the dance rhythm game with the Honeybeein, I found hilarious and a lot of fun um, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it was cool. I did like that style of uh, rhythm game. I don't know if there's very many others like that. I did like the the idea of like the little cursor kind of flying mm-hmm. around. And then the button appearing in different spots. I did like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, the wall, like the original, the original is never, you know, the the quality of the original is not tied to any specific thing. So you know, if they change, so there's no hot tub scene. Who cares? Like that's not the mm. end of the world. Like to me, it captured all, all the the things of Wall Market in the original that, in terms of theme and feeling and emotions and assault, like. It, it captured all of those elements, which I think are more important and the weirdness of it and the seediness of it, but also kind of the, the little bit of the, the kind of odd, like joy and just kind of fun of it all too. And just like in this, just like awful slum world, there's like this place where, you know, people are able to kind of find relief and just kind of let it, let it out. And, but it's also weird. And there's a, yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it captured all of that really well. Like, and, and, Obviously, I guess partially, I just assumed they were going to have to change some of this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, and I thought the stuff that they changed 
still felt like really like, oh yeah, a freaking dance sequence. This is really weird. Yeah, okay. This is equally as weird as what the original Walmart hit was. Even if it, the specifics are different, it's it's still <laughs> like wacky and silly and yeah, I don't yeah. know. I liked it. Uh yeah, I mean I, I thought it was for our modern days definitely an improvement. I felt like Cloud's reaction to the whole cross-dressing thing was part earlier, right? Like, it's just, yeah, nailed yeah. it. Let's move on. He's like, yeah, nailed it. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> I love I, every, I swear, uh, that line. So good. I like the Cordero. delivery, too. I like the way his gut would just kind of flop around yeah. whenever he would move. <laughs> um, his, little, his, little, so his little poof on his head. Yeah. I loved all yeah. that. His little sex dungeon. Uh, yeah. I like the 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 hotel, the CD hotel. I, Actually, wasn't that CD hotel in the original as well? And the the little vending machine yeah. that had the secret sauce that you could get better items yeah. from. The yeah. sauce was in the original. Yeah, there. I mean, there are definitely elements from that or specific things that they did keep, and that was kind of cool. That, but like I said, I I don't think it was dependent on any one specific thing. Like, oh, they didn't have, I don't know, whatever. This game is ruined. I'm like, well. Are you sure you really liked... Do you know why you liked the game? If you liked the original because it had a hot tub scene in it? Like, <laughs> why did you, <laughs> you... You don't care about, like, anything else? That was the one thing that you liked yeah. the game over. All right, all right, I guess. Oh, that reminds <laughs> me of an element that I, I really like that they, they put into this that was an expansion of, like, Crisis Core in particular, but also, like, before Crisis, was the emphasis of Wutai, Right. Like, mm-hmm. Wutai is a presence throughout this entire game. Like, they don't actually show up, but it's very clear that, you know, uh, Shinra's at war with them, like they were in Crisis Core and so on and so forth, yeah, right? And, and that it's yeah. a bigger conflict that's still kind of ongoing and will come into play later, which I'll be interested to see how they introduce, like, Yuffie under these new circumstances. Yeah, I think that yeah. is going to be really interesting when it comes along here. And especially like like you were saying, like you know that Shinra is actually still at war with them, and and even the propaganda that was kind of going along with uh, Wutai backing Avalanche as this whole new kind of bigger threat, I guess I would say. Um, I also I thought all that kind of stuff was was really cool because yeah, it's like even though you know we haven't seen any Wutai yet, we haven't seen Yuffie yet, it's still kind of looming in the background and something that's like kind of ever present. And I think, you know, that's a really great way to introduce it, especially for people, you know, who haven't played the original game. Uh, maybe they don't really know about that or know that backstory. Maybe even people who didn't play Crisis Core even they don't really know the extent of that backstory. But, you know, they're kind of just introducing that and really putting that out there for people. And uh, I like that, too. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think they did a pretty good job with the world building um making it feel a little bit more like a real world um in terms of that and like avalanche and even just midgar itself like as much as awesome as it was when you played seven as a kid for the first time going back now it still feels like i don't know if it really feels like a city but this one feels like a fully functional massive metropolis like um and and that kind of applies to a lot of the elements of it where it just felt a little bit more like a a functional world. Um, yeah. I don't think it was necessary, but it definitely was good. Like, I think it was a benefit for sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess 
we should start kind of winding down. Yeah. So we'll talk about the biggest thing, which are Sephiroth and the changes to the timeline. Um, yeah. So I was reading, because I didn't catch this, I was reading that the initial change happens right in the opening cuts or in the opening scenes of the game when Cloud is leaving uh, or when they're running away from the reactor after blowing it up. The very first change that Sephiroth makes that starts the the, the whispers interacting with everything was uh, Sephiroth encountering Cloud in that alleyway to stall him. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was supposed to be a stall so he wouldn't meet with Aerith at the same time. And then the whispers, that's why you see the whispers kind of huddling around Aerith when you run into her because they're just trying to hold her up so she can meet with Cloud. Hmm. I guess. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. and that could be actually um, a situation yeah. like we were talking about earlier, you know, how many, how often the whispers really directly interfere with Sephiroth, you know, with Sephiroth trying to prevent yeah. that meeting, making his job easier by eliminating Aerith without Cloud there or whatever the case is, or was, you know, kind of what are the implications of that? Uh, that's a, that is a good yeah. point, Chris. The way the way I take it is he he's not necessarily trying to stop like Cloud from meeting Aerith. What he's trying to do is he's trying to pit your group against the Whispers. Oh, and that's his end yeah. Goal. I, that that makes sense. Yeah, I can see which that. obviously at the end of the mm-hmm. game you encounter the Whispers and Sephiroth pits you against them, and you kind of I don't mm. know if I want to say you fall kind of right into it. I assume it's a trap of some sort <laughs> because it gives Sephiroth kind of a second life mm-hmm. now. Uh, you fight the whispers in some crazy Kingdom Hearts nonsensical yeah. battle. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> Heard rumors. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that battle or like whatever. It's Tetsuma Nomura. I guess I should have assumed it was going to happen. I guess it it could be worse, but I mean, just the whole Sephiroth thing in general. I I this is maybe in terms of what they were doing with the story. It was I feel like one of the one of the more disappointing aspects of this game where it felt like they like we can't make a Final Fantasy 7 game without Sephiroth and and again I don't think you have to be beholden to the original so closely but without knowing what's going to happen it's hard not to feel disappointed in that they blew their lo- like Sephiroth's the lot like how you, you okay so you fought Sephiroth at the end of this one so you're just going to find him again at the end like you know what I mean like he he was such an awesome villain because he was built up. So in this, he's just like all over you from the beginning. So there's no mystery. There's you don't really fully understand the relationship between Cloud and him yet, and you're still fighting him as a last boss. You know, like in the original, you don't even see Sephiroth until you go up the Shinra building. Do you even see him then? You just see his his murder victims. And then you get the flashback after you leave Calm. And then you understand who this character is. You get the backstory and you track him across the world to the, to the north when it culminates in a fight. Like you now you, you have this relationship. You, you've been on this journey tracking him. You've seen what he is, what he's become, what he's done. But with this, it's just like, Oh, he's a cool looking guy. Look how cool this guy looks. He's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there's no relationship. It hasn't been built up. Other than foreboding music and, well, okay, he looks bad and mm-hmm. so he's probably the bad guy. And so, so to me it's just like disappointing and, and in a way that isn't – I can't fault him too much for because like I said, it 
I feel like, well, we know we got to have Sephiroth in a Final Fantasy VII game. Our hands are kind of tied. What are we mm-hmm. going to do? Well, I think so, part of it was know. just like, in the original, I, I think they described, they themselves described it as Jaws, right? Yeah. You don't you don't see the shark. You just, music, he's yeah. kind of doing his stuff around you. And you're just like, oh, seeing this aftermath. But moving into this one, to tell the story that they wanted to tell. And on top of that, it's just like, you know, he's such an iconic villain in just gaming now in general and things like that, yeah. that the few people that would get that new feeling from him didn't necessarily equate to how the probably what it would interfere with their new plans for the story. Right. Does that make sense? Well, I guess that. that yeah, no, I see what you're saying. But I think this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about people wanting a remake. It's just like the people who claim they wanted this remake, if you really wanted this remake, then you would not want Sephiroth in this game. But I feel like they're the same people who go, I want Sephiroth in this game. is like, then you're not a fan. Then I, I hate to use that term. I hate Pete calling people not fans. It's very, you know, gatekeepy kind of thing. But it is very much like, d- did you play the original then? Because you realize that Sephiroth was not in the first 10, 15 hours of the game. Why do you want him now like do you understand it changes the entire stakes of these of the central conflict of this first part of the game and the whole game is like but isn't that the question like, that the game poses I, in general like what does it mean what does I, it mean to i agree remake? and well i agree that i'm saying that broad idea totally works but i feel like it only works if now that they're free like i and, and i think that's why i in the end i love where they landed with everything I just feel like the the way they did it was clunky with the whispers and having Sephiroth be like I'm not saying they don't have Sephiroth in this game. I I think that's an impossibility. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he should have been the main anta- the main final boss. Hint at him, pull him along, give us little 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 chunks, little snippets of what he does, and then have the escape play out the same. Maybe the boss is Rufus, or uh, maybe create a new. It doesn't matter, but like you don't need it to be Sephiroth, or maybe it's just the fates in general without Sephiroth, or you just see Sephiroth manipulating it, and you still fight the fates or the whispers. But the idea that like you have a final showdown with Sephiroth anyway, it's like this is sh- this is the black materia. I just have played the black hole at the end of final Fantasy seven. This is the, this is what I just played. What am I going to play when I get to the actual end of this? Well, I guess, the, I guess that raises a couple questions that I don't know who I was talking about this with. It was, is that Sephiroth you're fighting at the end or is it a clone? Is it Sephiroth or well, is it just a, a kind of like a remnant of him? It, does that take place in any sort of reality? I mean, I think. The, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think, practically speaking, it's irrelevant. You're you're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, but I mean, I'm just saying they can. I mean, because clearly, obviously, then you you teleport to God knows where for God knows what reason, and it's just a, yeah. like a showdown, and Sephiroth just wrecks. Yeah, seconds, right? seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Cloud's given it his all. Sephiroth shrugs it off. Nothing comes close. Uh, so I mean. I don't know. I, obviously, yes, it's not it's not the same as seeing, you know, waking up in the Shinra building and seeing the claw marks and the blood splatter and everything as you're kind of walking through the, the mm-hmm. Shinra building and hearing the, the music all eerie. It, it's not that. I get it. 
but I, yeah. I, I didn't hate it. And like yeah, you said, I, I, again, it's a Final I, Fantasy. Not hate. I don't game. hate it. Obviously, they were going to, you know, Sephiroth. <laughs> that's what I mean. When I, when I say disappointed, I don't mean I hate it. I mean, I'm disappointed that like, okay, I knew this was probably going to happen. I knew this is probably what they were going to have to do. I'm still just, I, I wish they were, they found a, they would have found a clever way or a more interesting way for that not to happen. But it happened. And I, yeah, I think we all thought mm-hmm. it was going to, or, you know, people who know the franchise. It, yeah, it was just a little disappointing. That's all. Yeah. Um, overall, it didn't sour it enough to really, you know, negatively impact it. For me. So then the question becomes question for each of you. What, I know it's a big question because it's so vague, but where do you see, based upon what we saw in the ending, where do you see part two going? Um, yeah, I mean, this is when I said at the very beginning how this, the game succeeded on and made me feel things that were different than I felt for the original, but equally as strong. This is what I like. I was, I'm so excited for. Because I don't know what it means. And it, 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 it appeals to me on so many levels. It is this idea of, of the unknown in a way I never thought I would feel with this franchise, with this game. It's, it's really, it's genuinely exciting. And it's just all the more <laughs> aggravating that it's like, this is not a full game. Like, <laughs> It's just this mm-hmm. one part, like you. Ah, I don't know how long are we gonna have to wait. I don't know. It felt like, like I said, uh, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli going. We got all right. We're gonna go off and rescue the hobbits and Frodo and Sam going off to Mordor. Like, no, what? That's not the end. You can't end it here. This is silly. This is not an ending. You, this is you're just getting started now. Like, oh my god, I'm so excited to play the next yeah. one. And and I think too, just as the developers. Like it, to me, I'm excited for them. I I think there's going to be lots of failures along the way. I I know there's going to be things that are going to be stupid and suck in the next couple of games, and I don't really even care that much because the the excitement of what's new and what's to come is so great. And I think they're going to take a, a a fairly, you know, expected approach. I think you're going to follow general the same beats that you did of the original games. But I think they've already said that you will. They have the freedom. Yeah. Yeah, but they have the freedom to me, and that is so exciting. Like, and I think it really hit home to me, like, you know, like kind of single tier moment when at the very end you're like, you're walking away from Midgar, and Aerith just kind of looks up at the sky and is like, I missed the steel, uh, I missed the steel sky. And that to me is just like, uh, it, it was so powerful. It's, it's the developers, it's the developers saying, and the, and the audience saying, like, yeah, Midgar is safe. Midgar is this, you, you want, Go Midgar is the original Final Fantasy VII on PlayStation One. If you want to feel safe, if you want to, the Steel Sky is right there for you. Just go, go play Final Fantasy VII. It's on every system remastered. But we're not under the Steel Sky anymore. It's open. It's completely open, and it's scary. You're gonna miss the. You're gonna miss what you know, and and but that has to happen if you're gonna take risks and to be exciting. And I'm rambling now, but sorry. That, <laughs> no, that, I mean that, I agree yeah. with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. It, it's exciting, right? I mean, just all of the questions that get posed at the end of this, right? Like yeah. seeing Zach, seeing Biggs, right? Like, what does it mean? What yeah. what could mm-hmm. any of that mean? Right? It's it's insane. It's is it different timelines? What is what is happening? 
Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know what is happening right now. Yeah. And uh, I mean, for me, I have a lot of the same sentiments as you guys. Like, I'm so excited to see, you know, what's going to happen, what kind of changes they're going to make. And, you know, I, I agree. I think that we're going to stick to pretty much the same story beats. You know, I think there's going to be some changes to them uh, potentially, but uh, nothing like super drastic, but just some potential story beat changes. Um, but uh, I I can't help but feel frustrated like Sean is like that. I can't go play part two of the remake yet. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, I mean, we haven't even gotten a potential release date or anything yet. And I mean, I remember finishing the game thinking, wait, like when's this next one coming at the very least at the, yeah. after we all watched fellowship, we knew when twin to our uh, two towers was coming, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it was like, this is yeah. like, when is this next one coming? Am I going to wait two years? Am I going to wait five years? Like, that's kind of one of the things that is a little bit frustrating, but you know, that's, that really is a good problem to have. That means how, that's how excited I am to be playing this new one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I got to say it because it, it, this thought crossed my mind as uh, Zach and Aerith pass each other, going to um, Zach heading to Midgar and Aerith heading out uh, into the world. The thought crossed my mind immediately. I was like, you know what's going to happen in the second one? We're going to start out. They're not even going to explain it. Prologue's just going to be you playing as Zach for some reason. Yeah, I mean, that could be. That'd yeah, be see that. awesome, for sure. honestly. And then yeah. whatever, it just hops back to the group or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will, it's some small, like, it's funny, like, I, it was all the more, like, so frustrating that you couldn't play as Red 13, because he's in, actually, a couple, hours, like, a significant amount of hours in the gameplay, and the whole time, like, I just want to play as Red 13. Why so I, I figured that was um, just the design um, choice of end, end game. You know, don't introduce a new mechanic. Let yeah. people feel like they've mastered yeah. the mechanic that you've presented them. Um, but, yeah. uh, so, I mean, talking about time, I mean, obviously, I don't know for sure, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that based upon the fact that they have a lot of the main character's character models and design locked down, the fact that they have the gameplay, mm-hmm. which I assume was one of the harder things and time-consuming things locked yeah. down, that really, at this point, is a matter of just art. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, aside from the story stuff being like really exciting, the mechanic stuff I'm excited for, but I'm also more just like way much, far much more up in the air. Just like, is it going to be the open world? I feel like if it's not, I'm I'm going to be. It'd be hard not to be disappointed if it's you know not an open map world kind of thing. But that's not the standard nowadays. Like, you know, uh, am I going to transfer all the materia that I had, which means the next game is going to be all the same materia? Are they going to introduce twice as much materia, new materia that I'm going to have to relearn? Am I going to be the same level? Are they going to give me another 10 weapons and I'm going to now have 20, 30 abilities per character? Like, like just mechanically, there's so yeah. many things. It's like, I don't know mm-hmm. how this is going to work. How do you I don't scale? know what's going to happen here. That's the here. big question. Yeah, yeah exactly. I do, I do imagine that the game will remain hub and spoke like this one was where the towns can be big. They'll have kind of areas outside, but the, for the most part, they'll kind of funnel yeah. you between cities and story beats. Right. I, it, there's no yeah. way this I, is going to be open world in any manner. I, I, I don't think it's going to be open world. I, I, I just want like that still that sense of like kind of epic journey that you get by having a world map where you kind mm-hmm. of travel. Like, 
I think it's it won't translate the same you know, if you just do a normal one to one ratio of how it was in seven. But I I hope they come up with a clever way to still capture that feeling to feel like you're really globe trotting on this hunt mm-hmm. on the you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll All see. right. So as a closing question, I have to ask. Uh, in chapter fourteen, they they kind of paid due or owed to the the date from uh, the original fan, Final Fantasy VII and Golden Saucer. And there's a scene where you can end up with one of three different people. I'm just curious. In chapter fourteen, when you see when you're at Eric's house at night, who do you, who did you see in the flower garden? Uh, oh, was that does that differ? Yeah, there's the three different versions of that. Oh, I did it. I don't uh, know if I, I knew that. I just saw Aerith in the flower garden. Oh, interesting. What about you, Sean? I saw Tifa. I saw Tifa oh. too. But you could get Barrett there. Who? Would, oh, you could also get Barrett. Yeah. That, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that changed. I, I didn't know that either. That's I just cool. assumed that everyone got Aerith. So I was like, oh, all right, whatever. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. Nope. It's all it's all tracked from your interactions with people and the answers you give people. It it can differ. That's cool. Also, I did I, notice um, um, because for whatever reason, my my PlayStation Four just kind of locked up uh, during like the sewer fight or the fight when after you fall in the sewer after Don Cornello, I, yeah. my PlayStation just shut itself off, so I had to end up restarting that fight. Um, and then when I restarted the fight, I, I, the first time I woke up Tifa first. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You who you yeah. go to first, and then yeah, the second right? time I was like, that's one, oh, yeah, wait, that's one of the key. Ones. I can go yeah. wake up Aerith first, and so I went and woke up Aerith first. I actually, yeah, thought Tifa had scene. the better yeah. interaction. I'm guessing that probably that was the only time I really did anything I think, like that, yeah, or noticed anything like that. Yeah, aside from the dresses. Yep. Um, There's lots of lots of little things. Uh, what you say to the guy at the CD hotel in Walmart also. Like this is you oh, can yeah. actually look it up. I think people have already marked down all the the different yeah. spots and the I mean, values. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely but remember a lot of those. Moments anyways, that so yeah, change. that that's, that's. Oh, real quick, where do you guys think the next episode will end? Hmm. If we if it follows a vague outline of the original, leaving. Oh, that that seems like it'd be too short. I was gonna say leaving June on, but that might be too short. Yeah, I feel like there's yeah. not much there, not just in terms of gameplay, but even story. Nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, to me, the logical thing is make it three parts and it ends with, you know, at the Northern Crater or, you know, the Promised Land Temple or whatever with Sephiroth killing Aerith. That, but that's I think just, that'd be too much. I know. It feels like too much for the yeah. one maybe, part, but I feel like for a three-act structure. But, but that would then include yeah. Gold Saucer. And I feel like Gold Saucer is going to be a huge undertaking. Yeah. I could see them going up to Nibelheim and, and Gold Saucer kind of being the main central hub. Maybe. And you could kind of go from Nibelheim to, you know, Coral and you could go back to Juno, maybe go to um, Costa del Cosmo Sol. Canyon even. Mm-hmm. Costa del Sol. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? You know what? I am excited. I'd be excited to. I'm really excited to see the uh, Cosmo Canyon story in yeah. updated. That always that always got to me. Yeah, that'll be good, good too. What scene? What scene would you say from the original? If they, if assuming they stay with the same beats, what scenes would you most want to see recreated? You know what? Or have you most excited? So, it doesn't have to be a scene per se. It could be just like golden saucer. I mean, whatever. we're we're kind of touching yeah. a little bit about the the vastness of the world and stuff like that. But of course, I want to feel that sense of vastness. But really, what goes with that is the high wind. 
and and being introduced to the high wind and that whole scene i want to see done i'm excited for that i want to see what they do can i fly the high wind around like what's it going to be like that whole aspect i'm like really like oh man it's gonna be so cool (laughs) (laughs) nice what about you sean that's a hard question. I mean, the obvious ones are, you know, Eric's death. I, I do, I would like to see Calm. I, I almost kind of wish they ended this game with you just going to Calm. Almost, I wouldn't even mind it if it was mainly just like a movie mm-hmm. sequence. And they ended this game with that flashback. Like, I guess it might not have made sense narratively in terms of ending on like this really exciting. But I just feel like that would have been a really cool way to end this game with just like, okay, you now you just fought Sephiroth. And it would help to, to me, it would have helped justify including him as the antagonist in this game is if it ended with like, okay, now, now we're going to explain to you who mm-hmm. he is. And then you end the game on that. Like that would be kind of interesting. So I'm actually, I, I think it would be kind of fun to see that whole sequence play out. Um, what else? Uh, and then just all the cloud stuff at the end. Like, uh, I love cloud so much that I, I just want to see him wrestling with all that and, and that actually paying off. Um, in a modern game like this, all the live stream mm-hmm. stuff. So, <laughs> all right. Well, just I want to drop one more thing before we go. I did enjoy seeing Cloud's mother, and the reason I enjoyed right. that was because they made him look so much like her that the the notion of him passing as a girl became much more easy to swallow. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I felt like he it, it was believable enough that he could be a girl i know but i just i thought it was funny that they were like you know what we're we're gonna make his mom yeah. basically a copy of him <laughs> yeah but all right well cool oh also kate kate sith showing up randomly in that cutscene. <laughs> oh, people yeah. have never played the original that must be like what what the well, what you didn't get into kate <laughs> what? So weird. you gotta be like what is this cat yeah Cases? Golden saucer? What is But it's just like this? in this gigantic emotional action scene when the plate falls and the entire slums have just been destroyed and you're just like and then there's just a cat creature. You're like, what? What, what is that? <laughs> what? Like What is that? It, it's just like really Which was like, okay, well they're definitely gonna have Cat mm-hmm. Kate Sith in the next one or in a one. It's just a weird place yeah. to have that. <laughs> They're just dropping a little yeah. Easter egg right in front of I your face. So. It takes yeah, up the whole screen. Easter egg if it's in a thing that every player will see. But. Cool. Well, th- thanks everybody for talking this out with me. I've been dying to talk about it. Um, yeah. Call this a supersized episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, yeah, I look forward yeah, to talking we, we to you guys about We talked about cutting it short. Part and it two. Didn't work. Yeah. A couple years, hopefully. Not too long. Well, hopefully less, yeah. but yeah, most likely. Well, until next time, just keep staring at the steel sky. I miss it. This has been After the Credits, a Young Chunks podcast. Yum!